This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 144. And welcome to ConcealedCarry.com's Concealed Carry Podcast. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I have on the show with me, Matthew Marister. Good morning, Riley. How are you? I'm well, sir. How about you? I'm doing outstanding. And it's funny, you said good morning, which it is still technically morning for me, but it's not for you because you're on the, well, I would say East Coast, but East Coast time. Yeah, exactly. Well, see, I adjusted my uh, my greeting of the day to, to uh, support your time zone, see? You're so selfless. <laughs> <laughs> so thoughtful. Awesome. I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast. Uh, folk, longtime listeners of the podcast are obviously familiar with you and I think appreciate your uh, level-headed, thought-provoking questions and answers. Cool. Well, thank you. <laughs> I hope so. Seriously, it's great to have you on. So today we're going to be talking about 24-7 readiness in the home carry context. I'm really looking forward to talking with you about this. I mean, we share so many stories each week as part of the podcast in our justified segment where folks have to use deadly force to defend themselves. And so often, I, I think the majority of those stories occur in the home. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. I mean, it, it, those seem to always make the news uh, above and beyond anything else. And um, anything that, you know, strikes at your home, you know, is, is something that everybody can relate to. Not everybody goes to bad areas or, you know, things like that. But in your own home, you want to be secure. So anytime that's challenged, you know, you, you feel uh, extra vulnerable. Yeah. It's just crazy, you know, I mean, because it's every week. And I talked about this in the most recent episode where I mentioned how we, you know, we get all these stories and we have to pare them down because there's just too many to share in the, you know, short format of the podcast. And I mean, it is, it's a home intrusion after home intrusion after home intrusion. You know, about one out of every three is, you know, something that happened on a street or, well, I guess, you know, robberies or things at a business are fairly common as well. But with, with, with individuals, with individual citizens, so often uh, these uh, inc- instances are in the home. And so that's the reality of it. And we're going to talk about some basically tactics and strategies for how to properly home carry and how to make sure that you are ready 24 uh, seven in your home. So let's get into it here. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation. We are just getting ready to ship out. Uh, I think this is our, is it our third box? Let's see. I think it's our third third box. It's pretty exciting. We, we launched Guardian Nation last year. And those of you that are already members, and some of you that have probably heard uh, heard us talk about it quite a bit, should be familiar that once every three months, once every quarter, we ship a box of gear to all Guardian Nation members. It's just a, a little bonus. I, I think the membership alone is worth it with a lot of the other resources we provide to members in the members-only area, all the access to uh, training videos. I've got some more coming, by the way, in case people, some people are, are wondering about that. Uh, we just recorded some more last week. Uh, training videos, the Guardian Nation live broadcast events we hold each month. Uh, Matthew, you've poked poked in there, you know, quite a bit in uh, those live broadcasts, and I think you've enjoyed those. Yeah, really cool stuff. Yeah, and I, I can tease this month's. Uh, I, I'm 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 still making sure that we've got the date and time confirmed. I think we do, but before I really announce it officially on the podcast, I will say that this month's Guardian Nation live event guest is Mike Seeklander. So we're really, really excited to, to have him on. And I'm going to have him on the podcast next week as well. So that should be fun too. But those are just some of the benefits you get as being a Guardian Nation member. And like I said, the big bonus is once every three months, we send you some cool crap. Okay, cool <laughs> stuff. Cool gear. <laughs> Can't Hopefully argue with that. Crap, right? Yeah, yeah. So and I'm excited for some of the things we have in the box this, this go around. Should be pretty good. So, if you're interested in getting some of the best gear and best training in a very simple format and for very low cost, check out Guardian Nation today. 
go to guardianation.com. And today's episode is also brought to you by the Brave Response holster, as well as the Burnett live fire drill cards. Super excited about those products as well, uh, especially the, those live fire drill cards are super cool. And yeah. a little tease, I think we've got, or was that last box? I think we had some in the last box. Or is it this box? Shoot, I'm getting confused already. <laughs> anyway, if you remember, you either have received or you're going to get some live fire drill cards. <laughs> really cool stuff. Okay, so with that, Matthew, I think let's let's get into this home carry concept. Cool, let's do it. And, you know, to kind of set it up, and I talked about this, I think, actually in Monday's episode a little bit, talking about in my early days of concealed carry, um, you know, a decade plus, almost maybe almost 15, yeah, about 15 years ago now, probably. Um, I, at first, you know, my main, my main focus was, all right, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I got a permit, I've got a holster, I got a gun, I'm going to stick it on me when I leave the house. You know, and I think my, my thought process was when I'm at home, the gun is in a safe nearby. And if something happens, I can get to that and I can get it opened and I can get the gun and I can use it quickly. That, that's a, that was a thought process. Right. Over time, that paradigm, that, that thinking of mine changed, uh, because I began to realize, wait a minute, actually, how long would it take for me to get to my gun and get the safe opened and get the gun out and use it? Or what What about if I'm in one part of the house, but my safe is in the far part, you know, it's away from me in the other part of the house, and I have an intrusion into the home, and that intruder is in between me and that safe. You know, like, there's a lot of things I didn't think about when I was a new CCWer. Mm-hmm. That over time, you know, I began to kind of think through it and go, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And some of the things I think we'll get into today was, you know, had to do with maybe having more options in the home as far as locations or places where I might arm myself. But the real simple answer, I think, is to carry on your person all the time. And But that's not always easy necessarily. And it's not convenient and it's not comfortable <laughs> a lot of times for folks. Um, but, uh, you know, just kind of as an intro, what, what are some of your basic, you know, thoughts regarding this, Matthew? Yeah. I mean, I, I see, um, a lot more people or a lot more, like you said, being become more aware, um, or at least maybe talking about caring in the home as well. Um, and you know, this isn't always just, people that are super paranoid of the government or something like that, right? I'm sure there's people out there like that that carry a gun all the time and they're just paranoid people. But I'm talking about, you know, your average citizen who's like, you know what, there's been home invasions or there's robberies or there's there's uh, criminals at large in my area and the police are looking for you. You hear the helicopter overhead doing call outs. And so, I mean, it, it, all different kinds of reasons that people are starting to say, you know what, I might have to carry or uh, have quicker access to a firearm inside my home rather than just outside. Right. Yeah. You know, let me share an experience. And I I may have shared this on the podcast before. I don't recall. But um, a couple years ago, I had a student that came through a class of mine. And, you know, kind of like most of my classes, I I was teaching it. Well, I've changed how I've taught that class over the years, but at that, you know, it's kind of still the same formula. You know, we definitely go over, you know, firearm safety. We go over laws. Uh, You know, I've changed a little bit how that's done, but I was just kind of going through the class in my usual way. And I spent a little bit of time talking about uh, the reality of self-defense. And and then I use that as a transition into getting into the laws. Um, so I share a few, you know, stories. Um, at Early on, a lot of those stories were stories, you know, third, third-hand, third-party stories as far as like something I just read, you know, in media, uh, in a magazine or whatever. And over time, as I've instructed now, I don't know, what, probably close to 2,000 students, um, Jacob's done a lot more. I've met people that have shared with me their own stories. And this story became one of those stories. But I remember I was at that point in my class a couple of years ago. And I'm, I'm telling this story about a home intrusion or something. And 
I notice as I am talking about that and the reality of what one must consider and must be potentially willing to do uh, to stop a threat against their life, uh, I look I look around the class and I see this young woman and she's crying. She's in tears. And I'm like, ooh, I've struck a nerve, apparently. Um, and we had a break a little little while later. And her husband comes to me and he tells me, he says, you might have noticed my wife was a little bit shaken. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did notice actually. What's going on? Is she okay? You know, is there something I need to do or can I help? And he's like, it's okay. She's, she's working through it. Just know that the reason we're in your class today is three weeks ago, she was assaulted in our home during a home invasion. Wow. And so the story goes that uh, I think she had come home during the middle of the day or maybe her work schedule was such she was done. I don't know. But she came home, uh, you know, around the middle of the day, noon or one, you know, kind of around that that lunch hour or close to it. Her husband works a traditional like eight to five. So he doesn't get home till the evening. And he tells me how she she comes home and she's there for a little while. Uh, like minutes, I mean, and doesn't realize it that she's come home and has interrupted a home invasion, you know, a home burglary, essentially. So here you got a couple of guys inside the home that uh, are thinking it's vacant and thinking, you know, the homeowners are gone for the day, but she kind of surprises them and comes home in the middle while they're there inside the home. She doesn't notice that the, she doesn't realize they're in the home, though, at first, right? And after you know a few minutes, then she hears some noises, and before she can really react, uh, she's jumped by these two guys. Um, they gag her, they tie her to a chair, uh, blindfold her, uh, all that stuff, and kind of you know rough her up a little bit. Didn't sexually assault her or anything. You know she was very fortunate in that regard. Uh, they just wanted to basically. It seems like they wanted to just complete their their robbery of the place uh, or burglary, and you know get whatever they could get. They just didn't want, want to be bothered by her and did everything they could to try to keep their identities from her. To my knowledge, they never uh, were able to catch or find out who, who these guys were or who, who did this. She was tied up and unable to escape until her husband go, got home from work several hours later. So I heard that story and I was just like, wow. You know, I mean, number one is very personal, very up close, you know, like in my face here, I'm looking at these, at these two people and they're telling me what, what has happened to them and how it has motivated them to get some training and get, you know, get their concealed carry permits, um, and, and make it so that they hopefully would never be victims again to something like this. A very, very eye opening experience. And, I've thought often back to that story and her experience, and I'm thinking, what could she have done to protect or defend herself? And I I can't really think of anything other than if she had had on her person a a gun or some other instrument that she could have used to defend herself. But, But ideally, I think, especially with her, with two, you know, perpetrators of this crime, you know, she's got to face these two guys, you know, Mm -hmm. she, she needed a gun. Mm hmm. And, uh, that's kind of where it all, I mean, I, I definitely believed already in home carry at that point, but it, it became one of those reinforcements for me. It's like, I really cannot let down my guard. Right. I've got to keep that up at all times because we think of our homes as being secure. It's a safe place. It's a comfortable place. It's a familiar place. It's where we spend m- most of our time other than probably at work. And so it's very easy to let the guard down when we're at home, but we we can't do that. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a powerful uh, little example there. Um, Thank God they were okay. You know? Um, But yeah, I totally agree with you about letting your guard down. I see, you know, and and before we even get into like home carry, I just see basic people, uh, basic security measures at your home. People lax in these types of things. I see um, doors left open, you know, garage doors left open at night or, uh, you know, garage door openers left in the car outside in your park and your driveway or on the street. And then you're 
garage door to your home is unlocked. So basically someone breaks your, you know, breaks in your vehicle. Now they have access to your, your home because they have your, your garage door opener. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to say paranoid, but I'm super um, regimented when it comes to if somebody comes into my house, you know, I invite them in. I'm, I lock the door right after they enter the door or um, as soon as I close it. If I let my dog out, I lock the door until I let them back in. Like my doors are always locked to my home. Um, so, yeah, that, that sense of security just because you're inside four walls of your home um, isn't always as secure as we think, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, as a former cop yourself, Matthew, uh, like many officers, uh, I'm sure you're very familiar with, you know, and, and thinking about considering home security, especially like when you come home. And one thing that is a, a big concern for, for law enforcement officers, and I think it should be a concern for anybody. Now, officers obviously are, are an obvious target, uh, but I think it's something that everyone should consider. Should consider. And a big concern is of someone finding out where you live. Mm-hmm. And as a cop, they don't like you. Maybe it's somebody you locked up, you know, four years ago. And uh, he, he finds out who you are and where you are and, you know, might make you and your family or your home a target. And so you're, you're probably looking, you know, as you're approaching your home, driving home, you know, seeing if someone's following you or if someone's casing the place, if someone's watching you that you don't, you know, that seems suspicious. I, yeah. I imagine you do that. I, I always, I mean, it, it becomes a routine, uh, like anything else, but, um, you know, I think anybody, um, can do those things as, you know, simple things as you approach your house, just, you know, seeing if there's any cars that you don't recognize parked out in front or a kind of catty corner to your house on the street. Cause normally, you know, if somebody's inside, sometimes they have somebody outside, um, watching for, for homeowners to get home or, you know, when you get home, when you start getting home, I always, once I turn the corner and I can, I get like a good, you know, hundred yards from my house where I have a good line of sight. I start looking around towards the back, whatever I can see to see if anything's out of place, like a window screen on the side or something that just, I know shouldn't be that way. Um, it's just, it's just kind of second nature, but if you've never kind of tuned into those types of things, it's, you it's not, you just don't know to look for them. But once you start looking for them, it's just like, you know, putting on your seatbelt when you get in the car, it just becomes second nature. And it's not like a super hypervigilance type thing. Um, but yeah, I, I see um, executives and, and people like that that are high profile business people that get, you know, kidnapped or target of extortion, maybe something like that. So anybody really, not just police officers and law enforcement, but you know, uh, you know, anybody that they might be able to extort money out of or think that, you know, um, th- they want something of value from you, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, I, I bring that up because I, I realize that the topic we've selected for today is home carry. And that's not specifically home carry, but I think it's a relevant tangent to go on, you know, just to just to kind of have that overall game plan about home security. And we're going to bring it inside and talk about, you know, maybe some of the strategies or tactics inside the home. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think it starts a lot of times. I mean, because this is something we see happen quite often uh, in the news, in the media, with the stories we share on the podcast, where uh, home burglaries become essentially home invasions because people arrive home and, and, and interrupt something that's in progress. Mm-hmm. And that happens. And you talked about if you got somebody inside the home, a lot of times there there's there's a getaway vehicle, there's a getaway driver, there's there's another party that is making sure that you know they can get their stuff and they can get out of there quickly, and that there's another uh, pair or set of eyes keeping an eye out. You know if they, if if they're sitting out there on the street. And they see a cop suddenly roll up in the neighborhood. You know, maybe that's a sign that a neighbor has tipped off the police that, Absolutely. you know, they see something and, you know, they're going to make the call and, you know, guys are going to skedaddle and get out of there. Um, 
So yeah, it's being aware and looking for those signs, those things that are out of place, vehicles, people um, that are kind of out of place. And with this, by the way, I'm reminded of, of another <laughs> situation a few years ago. This is more of a, on a funny side of things, but uh, I, I, I was uh, going to meet a friend and uh, it was like a Sunday afternoon and I, I realized it was a little bit early because they told me, hey, I'm going to be home at you know such and such time. And so I, I was going, coming from another place and I got done a little bit earlier than expected. And so I'm heading over to my friend's house and realize, oh, I'm early. They're not here yet. I'm going to have to just sit outside and wait. Right. And so I'm sitting in my vehicle just waiting. And I think I was, I had my phone out and I was watching, uh, at the time I had some special package that came with my phone, uh, uh, service provider, you know, like I could watch, uh, football or something, you know, uh, for free. And so I think I was like, well, I'm going to pull out my phone and watch a, a game. And I'm sitting there and next thing I know, two cops, one in front of me, one pulls up behind me and I'm like, what the heck? And one guy gets out and he's like, he's all like, um, hey, sir, you know, we just got a call about a suspicious vehicle in the neighborhood, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you know, do you mind if we ask you what you're, what you're up to? And I'm like, uh, well, I'm just here to visit my friend that lives right there, but he's not here yet. They're like, oh, okay. All right. Sorry. You know, sorry to bother you. You know, you know, he, he gave me his card. He's like, you know, let me know if you have any questions. But I thought, I mean, I had only been sitting there like not even 10 minutes wow. and clearly some neighbor who is very attuned to normal rhythms and, and goings on in their neighborhood went, huh, this is out of the ordinary. And who is this person? They're just sitting there and maybe they thought I was, you know, casing somebody's house. And so, you know, but it was kind of, it, I just, I just look at, look back at it and chuckle. Cause I, you know, it was kind of funny, kind of random, not expected. Uh, at the same time, I, I kind of applaud I mean, they might have been maybe almost a little too um, uh, concerned, I would almost say. But, you know, I applied them for being aware of what's going on in their neighborhood. Because a lot of neighbors, a lot of people probably aren't in this day and age. But um, so along with that, though, if you think that bad guys, and you could disagree or agree with me on this, Matthew, but I think I know what you would what you would probably say. But most guys that are going to, and I say guys in a very generic context, most people that are going to break into a home, uh, particularly if you know if they're looking to get in there when when there's somebody not there, they're going to case it first. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, um, they it, it, criminals don't want to get caught. You know, even though they're stupid and they get caught a lot, um, they don't want to get caught. So, you know, they will case a neighborhood first, um, so different different techniques, you know, depending on how sophisticated they are. But, yeah, they, they don't want to get caught. They don't want confrontation. And if they do find somebody's home, lots of times they'll try to get out. Um, obviously, that's not the case all the time. But, um, you know, most of the time... Criminals don't like to have homeowners there. Um, yeah. Once once they're found out to be there, if they decide to flip, you know, and and say, you know what, like those those two guys that assaulted that woman, um, yeah, they they absolutely that happens tons of times. But um, for the most part, they're going to case your home. Yeah, uh, it just it's it, I would say it's probably the exception rather than the rule where you know. A burglar is just driving through a neighborhood one day and is like, ah, I'm just going to, you know, like, you know, r randomly with very little preparation and just is going to pick some house and break in. And, you know, I'm sure that does happen. But, uh, you know, uh, knowing what I know and talking to some of the people that I've talked to uh, and studying this a little bit, a lot of these guys, they're, they're well, it's arguable how smart or dumb they are i guess in some cases but but they aren't dumb necessarily as far as like you know they're, they're looking for opportunities and they're they're trying to do the the due diligence if you will to you know maximize their efficiency to be able to get into a place get what they want and get out quickly and without being caught and to do that it, it usually requires a little bit of planning uh, my uh, in-laws, my, my sister and brother-in-law, had their home broken into a number of years ago, and I strongly suspect that because uh, it's you know they, I think they shared about how it it happened in a very short window, like they weren't gone very long, and I suspect that 
that was someone that was watching. And as soon as they saw that mom, dad, two kids in tow all hopped in the car and took off, bam, they were in there. You know, yeah, and and that, into- I think that's almost more of a uh, the more, when people think about feel the feeling of being violated about someone mm-hmm. you know breaking into their home. Um, that's almost as scary as knowing that they were in there is that they had been watched or surveilled and didn't know it. Um, yeah. I mean, so that's almost like it, it, people f- get some, you know, if, when I've gone and interview people, um, that, that freaks them out even more when I say, you know, these people have, you know, it's same MO and these people have been surveilling the neighborhood and your neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. And they say, wow, that freaks me out because they were watching me, you know? And it's like, wow, I didn't even know somebody was watching me. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's just equally as disturbing. Yep. So let's, let's make sure we get back to, you know, actual home carry. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Matthew, but I'm going to turn it over to you with a question and then run away with it. However you feel what type of gun, you know, classify that however you want, but you know, is it kind of a, a, a duty size gun? Is it a subcompact? Is it a, you know, your main gun? Is it the same gun you carry all the time or, but you know, or it's something else, but what type of gun? do you carry at home? I carry my Glock 27. It's the same gun I carry every day. Um, I find it has enough capacity where, you know, whether I'm inside the house or outside the house that, you know, uh, reasonable threats that I would have to address. I have enough capacity. I have enough, uh, the proper, you know, uh, type of ammunition, um, and I can get to it when I need, you know, it's, it can, it can be concealed, um, easily, you know, so I'm not walking around with an outside the waistband holster all the time around the house. Um, so yeah, for me, it's the same one. Now I, you know, I also have, um, some quick safes in different areas of my house. Um, and those are more duty size guns, um, that, you know, if God forbid, I, you know, would need something more or, you know, whatever um, the case may be, but I'm not carrying that gun around. So if, you know, if I want to carry 15 or uh round magazine and a duty gun or something like that, or um, it's not a big deal, but yeah, to answer your question, mine is the same gun I carry. Now, if I were, if I were carrying like a you know, um, my wife's Beretta Pico or something like that. That's like five rounds or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I probably carry a little something more inside the home because, you know, I don't have to worry about printing so much or anything like that. But, uh, in my situation, I find it's right in the middle. Um, so I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that you brought up that you've got quick access safes in different parts of the home. And that's a strategy that I've taken on as well. Uh, I think it's a smart one, you know, because generally I am carrying all the time, uh, even at home. Uh, I work from home now. And uh, so, you know, like right now I'm sitting here, I'm carrying the same way as though if I was going to hop in the truck and, you know, run down to the grocery store. Uh, Today is my Glock 19. It's in an appendix holster. I've got a spare mag on me. uh, To be specific, it's a Glock 17 mag. So I I always like having that, you know, that additional mag, that additional Mm -hmm. capacity. And I figure if I'm going to carry spare mag, I might as well carry a 17 rounder as opposed to just another 15 round Glock 19 mag. Um, But, uh, for me, I, you know, obviously is it a little bit bigger than your Glock 27, which is the subcompact uh, variety of a Glock? Uh, yeah, but it works for me and it's compact enough for me. But yeah, I find the Glock set or the Glock 19 is such a great fighting tool because mm-hmm. it's right in the sweet spot, I think, of concealability, but it's basically still capable of the same things as a full size gun. Yeah. But in my quick access safes, I mean, I've got. You know, and one of those would be at my Glock, uh, my Glock 17. Uh, in another one, I've got a uh, Sig P320. Um, another one has got a. Uh, uh, let's see, that one would have the Springfield XDM 45, um, and that's one that's. I mean, it's probably in the least likely place for me to need it in the home. Uh, those other guns are definitely ones that are ready you know, to be deployed, they're ready to go. I mean, they've got, they've got weapon mounted lights on them. And I also believe in carrying or storing. And I've talked, I know I've talked about this on the podcast before about in my quick access safes, I've got the gun 
and I don't just have the gun, but I got a weapon mounted light on it. I've got mm-hmm. a spare mag for that same gun. I've got a secondary flashlight, so a handheld flashlight. And a lot of times I have a knife in those quick access safes too. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's all these tools I think that a person should have at a moment's notice. And it's like, well, I, I you know, if I have a home intruder, I'm probably not grabbing the knife to defend myself with, but I have that tool in case I need it for something somehow, for whatever reason. I, I like kind of trying to plan for the unknown. Um, but I think having, because a lot of home invasions occur at night, uh, I, I like having those lights available too. I, do you do something similar? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have lights in my safe. Um, and I also make sure that, you know, in my, in my house, I have like a second floor that kind of balcony, uh, where our stairwell is, it kind of overlooks our main living area. And I make sure like we put, um, little, uh, nightlight type things around. So I, I could see pretty good. Um, even if my light goes out or let's say for whatever reason, I can't get to a light switch to illuminate that downstairs area. If some, if I, you know, cause that's probably where the, where I assess would be the most likely area that someone come in at night. Um, and I can, I would be able to see for whatever reason, if I can't get the light on down there, if I can't get my light working or whatever it is, um, I have a pretty good, even in the darkest of nights, uh, I can see somebody moving around and pretty well identify them from, you know, Hey, this is, uh, well, my daughter's not quick enough or old enough to be going out at night and stuff, but (laughs) she's only four, but, um, you know, I would be able to identify a family member versus somebody who's not supposed to be there. But yeah, having a light in your, in your safe, um, super important, you know, it's not, some people are like, Oh, I want to be all secret and stealthy. If you're in your home and someone's breaking in or in your home, the last thing you need to worry about is being secret and stealthy and doing all kinds of flips and hiding behind couches and stuff. You need to illuminate the threat and find out, Hey, what is this person in my home? Is it a threat or is it, or, you know, my son or daughter or whatnot? Um, so you can address it correctly. Yeah. So I think to get to the bottom of what we just covered, uh, it it is it is ideal to carry in your home as much as possible a I would call it like a main gun, meaning not that little tiny subcompact, and I mean tinier than your Glock twenty seven. Obviously, you, right. you you gave the uh, Pico as a, an example, and that is a small gun. It's, it's tiny, <laughs> it's a three eighty, and it mm-hmm. even as a three eighty, those things are they're pretty challenging to shoot. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult to shoot and there's definitely reasons why I, you know, I try to get my wife to go to like a Glock 43 or something, but, um, for her clothing and what she does and everything, sure. that thing's like the size of a cell phone. So, <laughs> um, it literally, I mean, it's probably the width of an iPhone yeah. <laughs> or thickness. So, uh, that's what she's, she's at right now. So, yeah, but it, arm's length distances or three yards, uh, mm-hmm. it's still a viable defensive, you know, weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not ideal for, for right. someone like me or you, but, but it's still a viable option. Uh, but beyond that, it becomes challenging. And so actually, I want to I kind of touch on that a little bit. Along with home carry, we should be thinking about different possible scenarios inside the home and how they might impact uh, others in the home, meaning... I need to be concerned with if I've got a used deadly force inside my home, if I got to fire rounds, uh, those are rounds are going to penetrate through walls in the home very easily. And so Absolutely. that's, that's a, that's one of those, those tactics that is a must know about you and your personal uh, situation in your home and the way it's set up and where you got to know where people are in the home, ideally at all times, uh, you know, at night that, that becomes pretty, you know, simple. It's like, okay, I know where the bedrooms are. I know where my kids are. I know where they're sleeping. I know which directions those are in. You know, I'm going to be super careful about, and, and in my home, it's pretty simple. We got all of our rooms clustered together. If we had a home intrusion and actually where those rooms are and the way they're located, um, those are probably the least likely places that someone would actually make the intrusion 
because they're a little bit off the ground. Uh, the windows are, you know, fairly high up. Um, it's not the easiest of, of, you know, it's not the easiest access. There's a lot of other windows or doors in the home that are much easier to come through and, and are better targets. And I, I, I like that. I like having our rooms clustered together. Um, it's very simple for me to defend the family without... You know, because because most likely where the threat's coming from is away from the family. But I still need to be mindful of where people are, where they might be. Because I mean, imagine I'm using that little pico, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I've got something further than a three yard shot. The likelihood of missing is much greater than if I've got a, a more proper uh, self defense, you know, gun, uh, you know, duty sized weapon or something. Mm-hmm. And so, got to be really concerned about bullets going through walls and things um, and, and where where I'm at, where I'm aiming, where I'm pointing. I got to take into consideration that possibility of a miss. And also, probably, you know, here, here's the thing too. You really need to be concerned about missing, period, any situation you're in. But think about it in most modern homes these days, it really takes very little for these bullets to penetrate through walls, even exterior walls, and potentially, you know, damage my neighbor's property or hurt somebody somewhere else. Uh, so it's, you know, it just comes down to that basic rule of know your firearm, know where your muzzle's pointing and know your target and potentially what's beyond. Cause if you miss that target, you know, that that's, that's a potential uh, challenge as well. Yeah. I'll give you one quick uh, story. Uh, I, I went out to investigate a, a call where somebody uh, said that they accidentally shot their gun um, so they actually called us. Um, it was in an apartment, uh, not an apartment complex, a um, uh, like a condominium complex. Person was screwing around with their gun, uh, shot the gun accidentally. It exited their home, went through uh, the one of their big windows in the front, went through their across the walkway to the opposite side um, townhome, went through their window, hit like a you know those pot light um can lights in the ceiling deflected and went into the drywall and it was that's where i ended up finding the bullet it was a a hollow point bullet but you know even a hollow point that deforms and stuff went through two 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 windows deflected off a, a pot light and then uh ended up being lodged in the drywall if that would have been you know a full metal jacket um, probably would have gone through. I mean, I would imagine it would have gone either gone through the pot light and who knows where else. But um, I think it's important, like you said, knowing where your, your shots are placed, but also the type of ammunition and knowing, you know, full metal jackets is going to continue to cut through like a lot of stuff, even hollow point will, but to a lesser degree at least. So, right. Yeah, yeah full metal jacket bullet is much, uh, we'll call it a much hardier bullet as far as a lot less likely to fragment and deform and, you know, lose some of its energy that way. Or, you know, if it frag, you know, hollow points much more likely to fragment. And if it fragments, then, you know, it's chances are it's not penetrating through much more stuff. Um, but a FMJ, yeah, it's a penetration is a, is an issue. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. That's something to consider. Making sure that we're using proper uh, defensive, you know, ammunition in our guns. And I think that I'm an advocate of that all the time. Uh, occasionally, I see comments like, you know, well, uh, full metal jacket, you know, a uh, 45 ACP ball round worked for me in World War II. I'm sure it worked for me, you know, now, you know. And it's like, <laughs> mm, you know, probably consider using a little bit better defensive ammo than ball ammo. But anyway. So here's a question for you. One ten- tendency, I think, for a lot of us, most of us probably, is we dress one way when we go to work or when we're out and about, but we dress more comfortably when we're at home. Do What, what are your thoughts on this, Matthew? And you know, how might we make some um, adjustments or considerations for... You know, let's say I, I, I go out and I'm, I'm wearing my, my, my normal jeans or whatever and a, a prop, you know, like a decent shirt that's going to conceal well. So I'm carrying, you know, a, a bigger gun and a better holster. But now I go home and I want to slip into, short, you know, uh, gym shorts and a mm-hmm. tank top or a T-shirt or something. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably a bad one to ask about fashion stuff because uh, <laughs> yeah, my home clothes and my out of the house clothes are not much different. I'm not a fashion knight, but, um, but yeah, you know, definitely when you're home, I, I, when I'm home, a lot of times I wear like basketball shorts and a t-shirt and I'm not, you know, dressed up with pants with a belt and things like that. So, um, there are different holsters that you can use that, um, that you can use without having to rely on a belt. You know, and I think those are really good. And, and and that gets to the whole point of like some people, well, I like this holster. I'm going to stick with this. This holster's crap because, um, you know, it doesn't, it's not as good as my Galco full leather holster. And that's fine. But understand that there's different applications. So if you are in your home and you don't want to care, you don't want to wear jeans with a belt and a leather holster. Um, maybe you say, I want to flip over to sweatpants or shorts with you know, so carrying something like, you know, the brave response or something like the jam four tactical, the quick click and carry, um, that, you know, uses the magnet or, um, the ulti clip, you know, those types of holsters, while they're probably not something that you would wear every single day or, you know, maybe you would, but um, maybe it's not going to um, replace your favorite leather holster, favorite Kydex holster. There is, you know, a, a specific application for those holsters. And I think that's really good for home home carry, you know, like so you can lounge, you can do whatever and it's not going to it's not going to affect you. Yeah. Oh, great suggestions there. And I, you know, I'm not afraid to mention and, you know, we might be a little biased here since uh, we do sell uh, the Brave Response holster and we sell quite a few of them. But for me, that is my go-to when I'm in those comfy clothes, uh, you know, and it might be uh, early morning or a late night where I decide to go for a jog, a run or something. And I, I don't really have a holster that works well with you know, something without a belt or, you know, works well with gym shorts. And so I throw on the shorts, throw on the t-shirt and I can throw on my brave response holster. And a lot of times, I mean, I carry still the same, the same gun that I would carry during the day when I'm wearing that. And I find it's still comfortable for me. I'm still, you know, lounging around the house comfortably, whatever. It's, it's something to look at. And, and I would say that let's not be, let, you know, we talked about the importance of being vigilant and being prepared all the time. And it's just such a temptation that you want to kick back, you want to relax, and it is more challenging to do so while you're carrying a gun. But I think there's there's solutions and there's ways to do that in this day and age, and especially with all the technology and with all the great products that are out there to to make that a lot more feasible than it used to be. I mean, in the old days of where where you're when when someone said holster and all that you had really available was your classic leather, you know, strap on the belt holster, it yeah, that didn't work well. Um, but now we have lots of options and I would definitely encourage you to to explore these options and and find strategies and ways to make sure that you are able to carry on your person all the time, including at home. I mean, that's what this episode is about today is, is, is home carry. Um, what are maybe some, uh, let's talk about maybe some strategies or tactics relating to not just like in the home, but maybe around the home. I mean, maybe this is something we should consider too. I mean, Matthew, uh, uh, I imagine that sometimes you don't spend all, all your time at home inside. Uh, right. So you got to do some, some things <laughs> around the in. house. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm sure I know the answer, but I mean, you carry inside the house and outside the house as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, and you know, mowing the lawn or playing outside with, uh, with your, your kid or whatever. I mean, yeah, is there any anything special to to that scenario uh, that you know you want to add to this? Or I I think you know basically it, if you can find it might not just be one holster that works every single thing, just like or every single situation, just like one holster might not work with dress clothes where you're you know, 90% of the clothes you wear, it might work with. So you have to come up with different solutions. 
um, depending on what your activity is. If I'm going to go just for instance, like, um, my, my daughter just started riding, you know, learning how to ride a bike. So we have this bike path and it goes downtown to, to downtown, um, to the area where she likes to play and stuff. And there's water fountains and stuff. So what we do is, um, she rides her bike and, and I kind of, you know, jog alongside and, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to wear, you know, jeans and, 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 and stuff like that. So I wear, um, basketball shorts and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a salesperson or anything, but I was, I, I wear my brave response under the, those, um, uh, basketball shorts with a t-shirt and, and that's it. And I go to town when I'm, you know, and when I'm doing all the holster reviews and stuff that I've done, I, when I wear those holsters, I actually wear them out when I'm cutting the lawn. I do those things so I can say, you know, this is one of those holsters that would work in this type of situation. This is a holster that, you know, probably not good for athletic stuff, but, you know, as an everyday carry holster, if you have a good belt and everything, this is top notch. So, yeah, it, it, I think mm. it, it, what bothers me or not bothers me, but what I what I feel bad about most is when people get this singular or narrow field of view about their holster or what they can and can't carry or what they can and can't dress like. And it's like, there's so many options, like you said, that, you know, try something else in a different scenario and see if that helps. And, you you know, use both. Um, you know, obviously you have to train with both. You have to understand, you know, the pros and cons of both, but don't, exclude yourself from dressing up nicely because you know you can't get a a gun to conceal in your you know church clothes (laughs) you can find a a good holster that will work with your church clothes trust me (laughs) yep absolutely i I deal with i mean i i go to church weekly and you know i definitely uh carry differently when i go to church uh than i do you know, a lot of times the rest of the week. Um, so, I mean, it really, I mean, the number one thing is there, I got, I go to church, I've got my shirt tucked in, you know, so it's not like I can just have something inside the waistband, um, you know, with the shirt over top, you know, you got to look at other options and, and possibilities there. Um, so, yeah, that's, I'm, that's actually a great point to, to bring up. I was just thinking, you know, just before we started recording this, Matthew, I, I sent you a message saying, you know, we were, we were <laughs> trying to connect to actually, you know, record the podcast today. And I was like, hey, I got to run my uh, my garbage out to the road real quick. I'd forgotten to put it out this morning and it usually comes early afternoon. So, you know, I knew I was like, okay, I still got some time. I got to run that out. And like, that's just such a simple thing that we all do at you know, weekly, probably for most of us across the country, you know, putting, putting the garbage out and you don't probably think of such a simple act as being a situation where you got to be prepared for a deadly threat. But I mean, but I do think that's something we got to be considering and be thinking about is all those even simple little day to day things running out to the mailbox, running the trash out to the road, uh, mowing the lawn, um, you know, just doing yard work or working on the house, pl- playing out in the yard. Uh, there's all these little things that we're probably not in that uh, super alert, you know, hyper vigilant mode, and we shouldn't necessarily be because that makes life not that fun. Uh, but we we do need to, I think, consider those situations, all those little day to day things, and be ready for, you know, the possibilities, at least have a plan in place and have an option in place, having a, a gun and a holster that works for the situation. So, so give that some thought and don't forget that, you know, just as we should be, I think, carrying and ar- arming ourselves out, out there outside and in, in, you know, on the streets or in our, our businesses, in our work, going to the stores, whatever, just like we should be carrying inside our home, I think, on our person, ideally. And don't forget that we should be doing that even in those little day-to-day things around the house where we still feel like we have some security. We still get a, a little bit lax, I think, in uh, our our awareness. And, you know, we get that sense of security. A lot of times it's just so easy to get that when it's our, it's our home. It's our special uh, place. It's our castle. It's our domain. Don't let the guard down. 
Uh, because as is evidenced in all these stories we share every week, crap happens and really terrible, horrible things happen to good people every day across this country. And a lot of times those situations occur in places and at times that you just would never expect it to have happen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Um, just thinking if there's, you know, have we done this topic justice, Matthew, or are we missing anything obvious? Do you have anything else to add to, you know, home carry? Uh, one thing I just would add is that if you, you know, I would recommend like, like you were talking about having a plan of, you know, defending your family, certain areas of the home that you can defend easier than others. And also, you know, when you go through your dry fire practice and stuff like that, and I would probably recommend doing this when there's no one else home because, you know, you're going to be freaking them out and everything. But, you know, walk through your home with an unloaded firearm. And when you do your dry fire and kind of see, you know, how you would cut corners, pie corners of different areas of the home, different areas that might be more difficult to clear if you had to, or, you know, not that you're going to go around clearing your home, uh, somebody's in there, but different areas that are vulnerable, make you more vulnerable, different areas that would give you um, advantage over somebody in, in your home. And, and, you know, kind of go through those scenarios and say, wow, this is, this is something that, you know, maybe I, I would, you know, if you have different guns in different locations of the house, figure out, you know, if somebody came in, kicked it, open the door here and I was in the kitchen making something, what would be my immediate response? Where would I go? Wh- which gun would I go to first? Or do I have one available? Um, d- you know, or if it's not on me, um, you know, different things and, and identify weaknesses vulnerabilities, things like that. So, you know, you can kind of be ready if, if something were to happen. Um, I think that's, that's important to not only carry, but be aware of what you're going to do in those situations. Mm. Really good advice. I, you know, th- that is something that, that I, that I do and that I have done. And you're right. Uh, sometimes you might like my wife thinks I'm a crazy, you know, hypervigilant psycho, you know, person that's just like, you know, because <laughs> I have quite literally, and, and every once in a while she'll turn to me and kind of like ask, like, what do you think about right now? And I'm like, do you really want to know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, I'm thinking about what I would do if X, Y, and Z happened and how I would kill that son of a gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's... Uh, that's my nature, of course, and not hers at all. Something I'm trying to instill in her more. I definitely would love for for the whole family to be, you know, more defensively minded. Uh, but uh, you know, and I got I, I got my boy. He's he's almost 11 now, and he's starting to get to that point too, where. I start having some of these conversations with him about tactics around the home and, and the, you know, some of the potential dangers and the way things might play out and what he might do. And, you know, you know, obviously he's, he's still pretty young and I don't want to place a huge burden or, or a responsibility on him, but I think instilling that in my children, uh, that, you know, being ready 24 seven, being watching for threats, uh, and, and then taking appropriate action and having plans in place, uh, for him, obviously, default now is still just like the other kids, and, but he's he's taking a little bit of additional responsibility for his siblings in that if something bad is happening in the home, he's helping mom and dad get the younger ones to a safe place, right? That's awesome. You know, and letting uh, mom or dad, you know, handle that situation, you know, obviously, we, we, you know, we even extend this, of course, to things like fires in the home, uh, you know, and about getting people out of the home, uh, making sure that everyone's accounted for and things like that. Uh, but, you know, getting out and getting out quickly. Um, but, uh, you know, this is the reality of the world we live in, uh, as far as there's so many, you know, bad people out there that are willing to do really scary things to good people. Um, and we've got to be ready 24 seven. So I hope this episode strikes a chord with many of you listening that you be considering your 24 seven readiness. And, and I say 24 seven readiness because it's being ready out outside the home. It's being ready inside the home. It's being ready at work. It's being ready in the vehicle. It is taking the responsibility for yourself and for your life and finding the the ways to, to do that, finding the 
the, whether it's the holster options, the gun options, uh, all the various tactics, you know, in, in applying the appropriate tools to the appropriate situations or potential situations so that you, 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 you're never caught with your guard down and, you know, hopefully you live a long and healthy life uh, without threat to that life because of the actions and the, and the uh, decisions that you've made ahead of time. Yeah. And one last thing I'll add, if you're on the fence and you don't want to carry around, you know, uh, you're worried about carrying in your home or whatnot, that one of the easiest ways you could probably carry is get a pocket holster, get like a J frame 38 special revolver, mm. put it in the pocket holster and get some cargo shorts and put it in the cargo pocket. And cargo shorts are definitely comfortable. You can wear them around, lounge around and you have a firearm right there. Yeah. doesn't have, you know, I mean, yeah, it's not as quick access as something else, but, um, you know, given the alternative of not having something in, in comfort level, everything considered, um, you, you can throw that in your pocket and almost not even know it's there. So, yeah. um, that would just be one last thing that popped in my head. Absolutely. That's a great suggestion. Uh, you know, my go-to for, for something like that is the Ruger LCR. Yeah, I have one. I was just thinking of it. <laughs> they're, they're, they're lightweight. That's a big thing too, right? Like mm-hmm. that thing weighs nothing compared to an all steel frame, steel cylinder, you know, J frame, uh, super lightweight, pretty decent trigger. Uh, my wife can pull the trigger on that pretty easily compared to some revolvers out there. So yeah, that's a great suggestion. And that would be my go-to for, for that s- situation you just described right there, putting it in the pocket. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there you go. Uh, just a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by the Brave Response Holster. Imagine that. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit today in the episode. The Brave Response Holster exists because a lot of these scenarios that we've been talking about today. The creator, Brandon Scott, he he saw some some problems with other holsters that he had been using up to that point, and he thought, hey, I, I need something that works for some of these other use cases. I need something that works when I'm uh, wearing shorts, you know, gym shorts, uh, sweatpants. Uh, I need something that works with just about any scenario. Now, it may not be the solution for every situation like we've we've t- talked on here today, but it's a solution that works for a lot of people in a lot of situations as evidenced by the thousands of positive reviews we've received and the thousands of these things that we've sold to people over the last couple of years. So if you're looking for the most versatile, most comfortable, most concealable holsters on the, holster on the market, Check out the Brave Response holster. Do it today. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash brave response. Also, today's episode is brought to you by Burnett Live Fire Drill Cards. These revolutionary training aids from Burnett are the slickest drill cards we've ever seen which is why we partnered with the creator to bring them to you. These cards will walk you through dozens of fundamental shooting drills that will help you shoot better, faster. These cards list all the requirements to shoot each drill. They detail parameters and give you multiple fields to record multiple runs of the drill so you can track and measure your progress. I promise you, you will see measurable improvement towards becoming a better shooter over time. Get started by checking out the Starter 3-pack on ConcealedCarry.com using the link in the show notes. Go check it out today. On to Picks of the Week. My pick this week, Matthew, is Aborigine Blowguns. Oh, but you didn't that see that one coming. Cool. No, no, but it sounds cool. <laughs> so I have this, uh, it's a 48-inch model, uh, Aborigine Blowgun. That's the actual brand. And y- you can go to aborigine-blowguns.com. Uh, link in the show notes I as well. I feel like you should have like some like didgeridoo playing in the background right now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Be, uh, I have no idea if these have any sort of specific tie to Australia or not. That's a actually a really great question. Um, you know, to be honest, I picked mine up. I just sort of stumbled upon it in, um, uh, it was, I think, a sportsman's warehouse store. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? And I stop and look. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. And, you know, I went to their website so I could, you know, pull up the link so I could give it to you folks today. And by the way, they're made in Logan, Utah. Didn't know oh. that. But uh, I was kind of blown away. Uh, they list the the ballistics, if you will, for the different models of blowguns they make. And so mine's the 48-inch, which is the biggest one. And get this. With a blowgun, you can achieve 355 feet per second 
Dang. That's just like as fast as an arrow. Uh, yeah. Maximum range of 205 feet. Accuracy range of 67 feet. And I'll tell you, I've stood in my backyard in like the whole width or length of the backyard, which is, uh, it's pretty far. Um, I mean, it's not a huge yard, but, it, you know, considering I'm using a blowgun and I can pattern in a pretty tight group. I mean, if, if I... Let's just think of a survival scenario. If I was trying to hunt a squirrel or something, I could probably reliably and accurately hit a squirrel with one of these blow darts from 80 to 90 feet. That's you know? cool. It, it is <laughs> cool. It's super impressive. And it wasn't very expensive either. 20, 30, 30 bucks maybe. Wow. Um, so really cool. I enjoy it. I actually sit here sometimes in the office and, uh, you know, I'll just pull, I have it leaning up in the corner over here. I have a dart board on the opposite wall that I do throw traditional darts at as well. Uh, I, I will call it a stress reliever, but I'll blow uh, darts at that dart board and uh, it's, it's amazingly accurate. So anyway, if you're interested in having a little fun, something a little bit different from a firearm, go check out Aborigine Blowguns, Aborigine-Blowguns.com. What's your pick? Make, well, make sure you don't put like a, uh, like a, a pistol grip on it because it'll probably be outlawed or <laughs> painted black or something. They'll <laughs> come and arrest you. That's funny. Yeah, true that. <laughs> um, okay, so my my pick is actually going to be a book that um, I, when you gave me this topic, I it popped in my head first thing when you gave me this topic to kind of think about. Um, it's called Extreme Fear, The Science of Your Mind in Danger. And it's by a guy named Jeff Wise. Uh, he writes uh, some articles and stuff about uh, uh, in popular science, but the book is extremely uh, valuable. And I, I really think it goes hand in hand with concealed carriers, anybody wanting, you know, to understand the, the, what your body and what your mind goes through when it's under not just stress, but extreme fear, um, which is the book. Um, there's some real life scenarios that he talks about in there, um, and then goes into scientific things about the brain, but it's not really complex. It's, it's very easy to understand and it's really interesting reading. Um, and I think it's important, you know, we're all concealed carriers. We're all looking at, you know, how am I going to respond to a threat in a threat on my life or, you know, my family's life. And we're all humans. So we, we undergo, you know, physiological things that happen to us all, regardless of how old we are, our race, our gender, whatever, our training level. So, you know, to understand that portion of it, I think is just as important as understanding how to properly, you know, disassemble your firearm or, uh, you know, shoot, you know, multiple targets. It's understanding what to expect and what you what to expect your body to go through. So, um, it's, like I said, Extreme Fear, uh, The Science of Your Mind in Danger. It's an awesome, awesome book. Jeff Wise is the author. Um, check it out. And I, I know it's going to be mind blowing as far as um, understanding the capabilities of, of your brain, uh, what you can do. Uh, it's a really, really cool book. Nice. I, I love it. I'm gonna have to check that out, put it on my uh, list to read or do you know, is it an audiobook form? Uh, I don't know if it were, I would probably get it. <laughs> so I don't know for sure. I have the, the hardcover, but, um, yeah, if it, if it is an audio, let me know. Cause, uh, I'd, I'd get it. It's, <laughs> I like audiobooks though, but yeah. yeah, it's an awesome book. Nice. I'll check it out. Thanks for the suggestion. For sure. Coming up next. What do you got next, Matthew? Uh, up next, I, uh, I have a review that I'm working on and it's this little device that I got, um, a few days ago, a week almost now. Uh, and I'm going to be, putting it through its paces now at the range. Um, and I don't want to spill the beans on it yet. It's called the TA one. If that interests you to go out and look at, you know, Google it and stuff, but I think it's going to be a cool, cool device. So I'm going to um, be at the range, kind of putting it through its paces this weekend. Cool. Have fun with that. I hope to be having some fun this weekend as well. I'm going to be uh, shooting in the uh, Magpul governor's match two gun uh, match. This is in uh, nice. the Cheyenne, Wyoming area. It's a major match. There's going to be a lot of you know top shooters, pro shooters there. Um, fairly small field, like 150 shooters. Uh, huge prize table. Uh, 
And uh, but it's it looks like it's going to be a, f- a fun match. You know, my weak point in three gun is shotgun. Uh, you know, I kind of got into three gun because it's like, hey, an opportunity to shoot rifle and pistol, both things that I really love and enjoy, and I'm pretty good at. Uh, oh, there's a shotgun involved. Oh, I guess I got to learn that a little <laughs> bit. You know, I mean, not that I'm a bad shotgun shooter, but right. the, the big thing with shotguns is being able to shoot those things about as fast as you can shoot your pistol <laughs> and reload mm-hmm. them super quick. Yeah. And uh, so this, this is a match that does not use a shotgun. And I was like, okay, I got to do this nice. <laughs> nice. right up my alley. And I, I hope to do well. So good luck. I hope you win. Yeah. Thanks. I really appreciate that. It, it'll, I think it'll be a good one. It'll be fun. So with that, you know, it's, it's time to wrap it up. I did want to address a little comment though. We got from a listener uh, a few days ago in response to the episode we released last week. Last week, um, episode 142, uh, I think we called it like the nine obvious ways to tell pros from the amateurs or something like that. And, you know, his comment was, you know, well, that's great for you guys. You guys are pros. You get paid to, to do this for a living. And, you know, you're, he, I think he felt like we were um, talking down at him being an amateur. And I, I just wanted to apologize publicly if that's the way that came across. That was not our intent at all. You know, our hope and our intent is, yes, we recognize we have a lot of amateur shooters or amateur CCWers listening to this podcast. And our hope is to help you become, you know, go from amateur level to pro level. And by pro, I mean, using that term, obviously, very, very liberally. Uh our, that's our hope. That's the whole reason this podcast even exists is to help take people from a very basic level of understanding and knowledge and experience and hopefully give you those tools and information you need to get to that to that next level. So uh, th- that you're better than probably, you know, 95% of the other gun owners out there as far as concealed carry and self-defense is concerned. Because that's just the reality of it. You know, most, most people don't take it seriously enough to really get above that amateur sort of, you know, level. And so our intent was to give you nine ways, you know, nine things of maybe what not to do or nine things to do to get, you know, kind of level up. So I'm sorry if it came across as talking down on, on, on amateurs. Guess what? We all started there at some point. I was an amateur at one point. I admitted that. I talked about how, you know, some of the things I, some of the mistakes I made and, you know, things I've learned over the years and, you know, that that's okay. I mean, we all start there and the goal is to get better. And hopefully each week listening to this podcast, hopefully each time you go to the range, hopefully every class you take, you just keep leveling up. Until one day, I mean, we're never done. I'm not done training. Matthew, you're not done, I'm sure. Absolutely not. So it never ends. It's all about trying to get better together. So there you have it. Uh, Sorry, you know, like I said, I think he said, you've lost me as a listener today. Sorry to see you go. Hope you come back. Hope you'll hear my apology here. Hope you understand, you know, what our mindset and what our intent is with the podcast. Um, but otherwise, you know, we love and support uh, and appreciate all of you, the, our, our listeners, for everything you do for us, uh, for the reviews you leave us, for the messages and the, and the emails we get from you. Thank you for supporting the podcast and for everything here at uh, concealedcarry.com. We really sincerely appreciate it. And Matthew, thank you today for your time and doing this episode with me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. So we'll look forward to getting you on uh, another time in the, in the future. Uh, take care. And folks, uh, I hope that you'll remember to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. See you next week. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.